So who says that body language has nothing to do with communication? Pleasant words, but I don't think that was a very pleasant conversation or pleasant um, marriage. It's Valentine's Day tomorrow, so I hope that um, it's a little better day than that couple. So today we're going to finish up uh, looking at this series of marriage that we're in, finishing up looking up at this question of why do we think this would be easy? Why do we think that? I think often too many times now in marriage, we see a lot of couples that they get married, and the first sign of turmoil that they see, the first sign of, like, I don't really like this. Like, a lot of them just go, I'm, I'm bailing. Like, I'm out. This isn't what I signed up for. I'm done. And then maybe that once you're married, like, you, you actually, they, they do this because they think everything's going to be the same. They think it's just going to be like it was when they were dating before they were married. You know, because you don't fight. You don't disagree. You're always trying to serve each other. You're trying to agree with one another. You know, you're putting that other person first. Always, you know, picking up after yourself, putting your dirty underwear in the hamper. You know, all those things that seem to just kind of stop sometimes after you're married. And they're left wondering why. Like, what's going on here? And I, I think if you're not married or if you think that that's the case, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, like, I'm sorry, it's not. Like, it, it's going to change. And I, I hate to break it to you, but marriage does take work. And we're looking at the reasons why, or some of the reasons why, and today we're really going to get down to why this isn't easy, of why the, all the way back into Genesis we're, is where we're looking at the very first marriage. And we, look at, we looked at how God saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone. Like, it's not good for man to, to be alone. And I'm not really sure why I even spent any time on that that week to talk about that, because that's obvious. Now, God created the suitable helper for man he created a woman that was this like i said an equal suitable helper for him and we find in the garden that the it the genesis tells us they're both naked and they're not ashamed that they're living in this world the way god intended it to be when he created man and woman and last week we looked at how all this was messed up how the world that we live in is is just a mess now the enemy, yes, came along and tempted us, and we failed. Like, they failed, and, and they didn't take responsibility for it. In fact, what they started doing is they pointed, started pointing fingers. They started to blame each other. And then God even gave them a chance to seek forgiveness and reconciliation, which they didn't. And that brings us today. What we're going to talk about today is the consequences of this sin. And really, the answer to this question of why do we think this would be easy the answer is, is we shouldn't think this should be easy. And we shouldn't think it should be easy because we live in this sinful world. We live in this sinful world where there's consequences for our sin. And we live in this world that's not the way God intended it when he first created us to be. He intended it to be, if you remember, back in Genesis 2, verses 24 and 25, when we talked about that. And these are the words he said. This is the way God intended it. He said, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and he's united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were naked, and they felt no shame. That's the way God intended it, because after that is when we have sin entering the world. But we know about consequences, don't we? Like, we, we probably have experienced that. Most of us have probably experienced it that growing up, we have these consequences. We do something wrong, and we have a consequence for our behavior. Now, I'm sure there's a few of you in this room 
that had consequences, there were actually good consequences. Consequences where you received and you actually enjoyed the consequences because you were such a good child. Not too many of you, because you're all laughing like me. But let me give you some examples of some consequences of some, some crimes that were committed and see if the punishment fits this crime. So there was a guy that enters in this convenience store and he actually buys a soda, but while he's filling up the soda, he takes all the hot dogs and stuffs them in his pocket. So he's, he's caught on camera and he gets three years in prison for that. It seems a little harsh. Now, there was another woman that vandalized an outdoor nativity scene set. She vandalized it put a bunch of satanic markings on it. And she was found out, and she had to re replace all of that stuff. But then she had to pull this donkey around carrying this sign through the streets of the town. And then this is actually a good one. I think this one is actually pretty, this is a just one. So there is a guy that likes rap music, which I actually like it myself, so that's fine. But he was playing it too loud. So somebody complained. He received a fine for that but then he also as part of his punishment he had to listen to 20 hours of classical music <laughs> yes that would be torture so the next one is there's an 89 year old woman and she lives in a house and she must live in a, a big town or something because she, she every night there would be people that would park all along the street park in front of her house and for some reason she didn't like that so some ni one night, she got upset, she got mad, she pulls out a kitchen knife, goes outside, slashes all the tires on the street of these cars. Well, they know who it is, so they take her, they, they give her this hefty, hefty fine. Well, she can't pay it, so her, in, in lieu of paying this fine, she knitted sweaters for everybody. Now, there's another one. There's this thing called the human race, that we disobeyed God, and we were sentenced forever to live a life outside of the garden, where the garden is a place of blessing, a place of freedom, a place of vitality, which is life. And this fellowship with God, to be in a place where we're going to live now, where we're going to have to toil, it's going to be a place of burden, there's going to be curse in the land, there's going to be pain, there's going to be sweat, a place where there's death. Look at Romans 5.12 says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. So consequences for our sin. That's why we can't expect this to be easy, because there's consequences. Now we're going to look at our story. We're going to pick it up again in Genesis 3, verses 14 through 24. So I'm going to be on your screen so you can just listen along. If you want to grab the Bible in front of you, it's really easy to find because it's at the beginning and it's pages 3 and 4. So let's look at verse 14. It says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between her, your offspring and hers he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. 
It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken from the dust you are, and dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she could become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So there we have it. There's consequences for the sins, for the world we live in. There's consequences for the lives that we live. So the first point is that everyone has consequences. We all have consequences. Can we really expect there to not be consequences for our actions? Is that way we want to live is that we really think that's the way it should be now you guys know i watch way too many movies but if you remember national treasure if you remember at the end of that nicholas cage is sitting with the fbi agent and he's turning he just turned over the declaration of independence and he j he's just turning over this gigantic treasure that he found and 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 there it, like he's there was laws that were broken and the fbi agent says to me he says someone's got to go to prison man so he Nicholas Cage could be looked at as a hero for fighting this and doing this, but there still had to be consequences because laws were broken. Just like our story, like there's consequences for that because we all disobeyed God. And then unfortunately in our story, like I don't see like a lot of heroes in this story. There is one, one, there is one hero. We'll get to that at the end. But the first person that had consequences is the serpent. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this guy, we spent way too much time on him last week. But I do want you to notice something, that God curses the serpent. He, God did not curse Adam and Eve. God did not curse his creation, God's creation that was made in his image. He didn't curse them. He did curse the serpent then. And I also want you to point out something that we read too, that God is saying there's going to be this hatred between the serpent and the children of Eve. That eventually... Her offspring is going to crush his head, and he's going to be powerless against it. All he's going to be able to do is strike his heel. We're going to talk more about that later. The next person that we see having a consequence is Eve. So, women, I know childbirth is painful, and now you know why. We know why because God says this is exactly what he says. He says childbirth is going to be painful. It's the consequences of our sin. Now, I'm going to be sympathetic and say, I don't understand that because I've had anatomy classes and I, 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 I get that. Like, I don't go, that's a question we ask God of like, okay, you're cursing or you're saying Eve, like that's her consequence for sin and it's going to be painful. So explain to me how that, like, that doesn't make sense of how that would even work because it looks to me like that would be painful regardless. Now, we can see that childbirth happened that before sin like god is is i'm assuming like he's saying it's not it wasn't painful and i'm going to say that that let's call that like perfection because i think women tell me if i'm wrong but if you could give birth to a child without pain i think that would be perfect right like that would be a little bit of perfection so what i see this is is that perfection was replaced with pain 
Now I want to move on to verse 16, because this is where it gets really interesting. It says, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, remember I've been saying this entire time, that God intended and God created suitable helpers for one another, that these helpers were equal, they're different, they each have a role, and that they complement each other, and that together they complete each other. Well, that just went out the window. It's all gone. And so why isn't marriage easy? Well, here's a really good reason. This is the consequence of our sin. And it's not the way God intended it. God intended it to be the way I've been saying the whole time, the way I said, just read in Genesis 2. And what we really see is this joyful, happy marriage now has become an unequal partnership. So what do I mean by this? What, is this? what does this mean? I read this, this verse, and I've also read a bunch of smart guys. You know I read a bunch of smart guys, what they think before I, I get up here. And they actually agree with on this, that now in the world, we see this position where it's, it's, it's kind of saying there's a position of male dominance and a, a female position of subservience. Now, don't shoot the messenger, because remember, these are smart guys that say this, but give me a chance to explain this. A lot of us in this room, we might remember that in our Bibles, there used to be this word after desire that was, was usurp, to usurp your husband. New Living Translation gives us, still gives a little, little bit of that. And this is what that verse is in that, this translation. It says, you and you will desire to control your husband. The ESV Bible says it this way. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. So this word usurp, it's a word we don't use anymore. And I can see why they pull it out. Because it, it just when you just put desire in there, it kind of puts a little different context in this. But this word means to take the place of, to seize hold of. And you see that in those two previous verses, that if the woman is now trying to usurp her husband, she's trying to take his place, to seize hold of his place, to take his position, to take his position of leadership. Now, if you have this going on, is, is it just me, or is it pretty easy to see that the consequence of this, of this which God is telling her, can cause problems in our marriages, can cause problems in our relationships? You have both of them trying to be a leader. You have both of them rebelling against each other. So why can we expect that to be easy? Now, something else, man, we're, we're pretty guilty of this, is that a lot of times we just sit on the couch and watch TV and don't do anything. We don't lead. Like, we don't lead. We don't do what God is telling us that you're going to have to do now. And we let our, life, our wife lead. And sure enough, because of this, what God is saying here, she's going to move right in. She's going to take the lead. And God's even telling us, like, this is her desire. This is now her desire to take that position. So we think of that phrase of who wears the pants in the family. Well, now we've got two people trying to wear the same pair of pants. That doesn't, it doesn't work very good. Unless it's the clown pants, like, you can't fit two people in those pair of pants. So this is not the way God intended it. Now, hear my heart in this. I am not advocating male dominance, and I am not advocating chauvinistic behavior. I'm just saying, and this, is what God is, this is what God is saying in these words. And men, in reality, 
you probably wish that I would say, no, I don't want that role because our role is a lot harder. It's not a fun role. Let me tell you, just give me a little bit of this. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26. This is, God's given us a little bit of what our role should be. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, guys, if you don't know, Jesus died a pretty horrible death on the cross. Took our sins. He didn't deserve it. Took all of them for all of us. And I read that, and that's how we're supposed to love our, li- well, our wives. That's how we're supposed to lead our wives, is this humble servant willing to give our life for our wives. So guys, just chew on that for a while. Because that's not easy. And this marriage thing is not easy. Now this, this little set of verses, we could spend a lot, a lot of time in this. This little verse, there's just a, there's a bunch of stuff on that. We're going to move on, but I do want to leave you with this. So an image that I've been talking about for the last two weeks. An image of a husband and wife. Kneeling, facing each other a little bit, but mostly facing, kneeling before a cross. Remaining in that posture submitted to God, submitted to Jesus, submitted to one another. And if we're in that posture, those consequences, this consequence seems to get a little bit easier. It gets a lot easier. Now there's another person that has consequences. And this is Adam. So guys, like, you read this and you go, you know, that was pretty good. Like, I could get up for my morning coffee. I could go to the drive-thru, get my coffee. And then I'd start walking around the garden. God would come up and meet me. We'd talk and have this conversation, go this stroll through the garden. And then, like, we'd see an animal come by, and God would look at me, and he'd go, what are you going to name it? I'd give it a name. Like, just this happy life. Now, you want to eat? You're going to have to work to eat now. Ground is is now, it's going to be full of thorns. It's going to be full of thistles. You're not going to be able to just walk around and pick something from a tree or pick something from the ground or however it worked then in this happy life that you live. You don't really got to work the land because it's so lush and there's, there's just perfection. You don't have to sweat. But now, it's going to be a sweaty. You're going to have to toil. There's going to be thorns and there's going to be thistles and they're going to rip your flesh. It's like I mean, I've got this Russian olive thorn. It's still in my side of my leg. Got it about three years ago. Broke off in my leg. Had to be on oral and IV antibiotics to stop that infection. That's what he's saying. Like, it's going to be painful. You're going to have thorns and thistles. Oh, and there's one more thing. Remember how I formed you out of the dust? Well, now, you know what? You're going to return to dust in the ground. You're going to work your entire life. Like you're going to toil. You're going to work. You're going to sweat. And then you're going to die. And you're going to return to dust. Now that seems like a pretty good trade for disobeying God, right? I don't think so. Oh, and there's, there's still one more thing. forgot one more thing. You know what? You and Eve, you can't live in the garden anymore. I'm evicting you. Kicking you out. You have to move out. And, and I'm sending these little angel dudes with these wings. And um, there's going to be this flaming sword, and it's going to keep you out of here. 
we messed up. Men, we messed up. We all messed up. Now, there's another person in the garden that has a consequence. We don't think about this person very often. But God had a consequence, too. God faced this, too. Because God walked with us. He had a relationship with us. But this creation that he made was in his own image. And now that was gone. And he had to deliver these consequences. Think of it this way. When your children, those of us that have children, when your children were little and they, they, they were young, maybe two or three, you know, when they're kind of in that cute but a little bit disobedient age and they know how to use their facial expressions. and Remember that, like your kid's disobeying and the mom and the kid are home and they do something like maybe they draw you a pretty picture on the wall with a permanent marker or something like that. And the mom is mad and she goes, just wait till your dad comes home. So the kid's kind of sweating it all day. Dad comes home and, and mom tells dad and dad's like, I got to punish you. And So you have your child, you're going to punish them. And they're looking at you with this teary face and just this loving face and they're scared and you can tell and they're trying to tell you how much they love you and but you still got to punish them and you punish them and then you maybe become teary-eyed and actually the punishment may have been harder on you than it was actually on the child and I think that's maybe how God was in this see I could see God just being broken hearted because he knows he has to he has to deliver this punishment he knows he has to do this and it's breaking his heart he also knows the effect it's going to have on our marriages he knows the effect it's going to have on our relationships. But he also knows that this is what's best for us. It's painful, but it's in our best interest. We're going to come back to that thought, so hold on to that thought. And we just looked at a whole bunch of negative consequences, a whole bunch of things. But there's some positive in this, too. So I, I brought up positive consequences. There's some positive consequences. Things that I think are, will give us hope. Things that there we can hold, hold on to and, and provide hope for us. So we're going to look at verse 15 again. Remember, that's the one where Eve's offspring will crush the head of the serpent. Now, Adam and Eve had no idea what this verse meant at that time. They're probably going, what are you talking about? Like, whatever. Okay, God will, yeah, that's good. But really, if we look at this now, because we can look back. On, at the Bible, look back through history and we can see the hope in this we can see the hope because God is saying I'm going to send this guy named Jesus we can see that he's referring to Jesus in that, knowing that Jesus is the one that's going to crush the head of that serpent, that has crushed the head of that serpent knowing that he defeated the enemy, he defeated the enemy on the cross and there is going to be an ultimate defeat of him too, now Hebrews 2, 14 to 15, listen to these verses says, since the children have, have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who, are, who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So God's giving us some good news in this verse all the way back in Genesis, all the way back in Genesis 3.15. There's another piece of hope we find in 3.21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. God didn't just leave them naked and ashamed. He didn't just leave them that way. 
we see God provided for them. And what we see is that he makes garments. Like he makes clothing. He makes something out of it. He didn't just go, here's a skin, animal skin, that, that they could just find anywhere. In fact, remember the fig leaves? Like they just grabbed fig leaves and did it themselves. Just grab something and just cover yourself up. No, God provided for them. In fact, we can maybe look at this as a divine covering. And you're looking at me like, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is that it, it's a covering that came directly from God. And in our marriages, God's still covering. He's still covering us. If we choose it, if we want it. And actually, remember back all the way the first week that I talked about? We did choose it when we get married. Because remember I said that marriage is a covenant. And I'll keep coming back to that image of a husband and wife kneeling before the cross with this posture, trusting God, trusting God that he will provide this covering for them to guide them, that you're rooted in God. Now this last one is, is a piece of hope that you might look at me kind of funny and, and be puzzling for a little bit. But remember a few minutes ago when I talked about disciplining your children, that we need to... To, to think of ourselves as being disciplined when we were kicked out of the garden, facing consequences for our disobedience. So when we have consequences, when you give them to your children, why do you have consequences? Hopefully to get us to change the behavior. Hopefully to get us to reconcile. For, for us also to not just live in that sinful state, thinking it's okay, thinking that, yeah, it's fine. I don't need to worry about it anymore. I'm okay with just being that way. I'm okay with having this brokenness, this broken relationship. And God kicking us out of the garden is exactly what we needed. Because God is, by doing that, he's creating a way to give us grace. God is giving us grace. So once we sinned in the garden, that relationship with God was no more. It was broken. Life was never going to be the same because there was this brokenness. And if God would have left us in the garden, we would have just stayed there in this broken state. And God couldn't leave us in the garden broken to live this life forever in this broken, unrepented, sinful state. And I said outside the, earlier, like the garden is going to be painful out there. It's not going to be fun. But it was really for our best interest. By sending us out of the garden, God created a way for a Savior to come and redeem his creation. And the Savior did come. And his name is Jesus, restoring God's creation. Look at Romans 5, 18 through 19. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Through Jesus, we can have this relationship with God restored. Have it restored to that proper relationship with God. By this grace. Grace that we're getting something that we don't deserve. And that's the beauty of God, that he loved us so much. That even in our defiance, he still provided a way, provided a way back to him. So the question in this series is, why do we think this would be easy? I hope you see it's not easy because of our sin. 
And we can trace this all the way back to Adam and Eve. But this difficulty we have, it goes all the way back to the beginning. That we're all in the same boat. That we, we don't, we're not the only ones. That marriages take work. And I hope that you see that the issues we face are a result of what happened in the garden. But they're also, Adam and Eve faced those same issues. And I want us to see that God didn't abandon us. He had, God gave us grace. Not just those of us that are married, but he gave this grace to all of us. Because God gave us his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to die for us, that believing in him, we can have this relationship with God restored. That we receive the eternal life God intended back for us in the garden to be back in God's presence. And that's the first step. If you don't have Jesus in your life, you need to start there. If you're married and you're not in that posture of being on your knees before the cross with Jesus in your life, being before Jesus submitted to him, you've got to start there. You have to restore that relationship with God. And then we can begin restoring our relationships with each other. So why do we think this would be easy? When the result of, of our sin so we're no longer living in the way, we're not living in the garden anymore. We're not living the way God intended us to live in the garden. But God did provide us with grace, a way back to him through his son, Jesus. I want to leave you with this verse, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You want it to be easy? Jesus tells us to take up his yoke. Let's pray. Lord, I just...